let your hair down, keep your shoes on. Some people got feet situations, but you can let your hair down, and um, it's going to be great today, so get ready. Um, let's pray for this offering. God, we thank you so much that you um, are continuing to move on people's hearts to give, um, moving on uh, people's hearts to keep their end of covenants. God, we ask you this morning, God, that you will bless those finances and that they will multiply um, so that ministry will multiply. We thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Just so I ain't doing it too much different than Pastor Wood, um, if you would stand with me for the reading of the word of God. It is the word. Please forgive me because I don't have this on the on the deal. I went old school. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Then I, then, I, well, I'm sorry. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's pray again. God, we thank you for this word. We pray, God, that it goes out clearly and that it's understood and that it is good for um, building up the believers. And if there's someone in here lost today, they have a life-changing experience. We thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So um, what we're dealing with here is we're dealing with flesh versus the spirit. Everybody in here understands the basic concept of flesh versus the spirit. So when you read a scripture like this, it's pretty basic on some levels. It says, um, I say then walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what's against the flesh. That's pretty, pretty simple to understand. Um, but what, if we aren't careful, what we'll do is we'll simplify scripture too much and the things that are underneath the scripture to go over our heads because we simplify something God was really trying to make deep. So. Many of you can remember back TV shows when TV shows weren't reality shows, but back when TV shows, they would take like pygmies and they would use pygmies for a person who was having a battle between good versus evil. So they would have like the, 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 on the right shoulder, they would have like the angelic you. And then on the left shoulder, they have like the demonic you. And he's like leaning over the shoulder, like, I'll come over and punch you. And you, 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 you remember that, right? Y'all remember those? Okay. You young people just stay with me. I'll get you there. Okay, so in this version, how many of you guys have ever been in that place in your life where you literally felt like you had a pygmy on your, you have pygmies on your shoulder, and one was over here saying one thing, and one was over here saying something else? Show of hands. Anybody ever had that? Yeah, me too. Good, I'm glad. Um, well, we're going to spend some time talking about that. Um, I won't spend too much time making it fun, but it is real. And what I want to do, I, I started to bring ladders up here today. But I really just didn't feel like it. I know people are visual people, but if that's the case, just close your eyes the whole sermon and just envision it. Um, but I really didn't go all out this time. When bargain basement. Okay, so let's go over the flesh and let's go over the spirit real quick because it's not very complicated. But again, if you don't grab a hold of it, it'll go over your head. So let's put the flesh over here on the left. Cameron, come on up. He's going to be the flesh. He did not know this was coming. I'm sorry, Cameron. Good thing you wore boots today, baby. I started to wear them, too. Uh, Joe, you come be spirit. Use y'all real quick. Why you wear this shirt, man? We know what y'all did yesterday. We know. All right. Let's give them a round of applause real quick. Can they get a, get a hand clap real quick? Okay, so Flesh, raise your hand, please. Thank you. Hello, Flesh. Spirit. Hey, Spirit. So the flesh over here, <laughs> he represents my sinful nature. He is my sinful nature. He is everything that's bad about me. Deep, deep down in the hearts of hearts, I hate him. I hate you. What's up, man? Good to see you, man. Good to see you, baby. I don't think spirit will wear OU shirt, but for the sake of this, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. The spirit represents the godliness, godliness, the God man. 
That's what this is over here. It's the God, man. Like really deep down, this this God, man, you you saved me so from so much stuff. I done had some people that I really, really wanted to hurt before. Shoot, man. I love you, man. Oh, man. Sad part about it is, sad part about it is, the majority of my life, I spent more time with this guy. Well, he's just kicking it. I love you, though, man. Love you. I don't like you, but we're going to go out tonight. You're my guy. Y'all with me? Stay here for me for just for a second. Now, you clearly saw that they're different, the sinful nature, the godly nature, but they both have one thing in common. No, actually, they got two things in common. They got two things in common. The first thing that they have in common is that they hate each other. They despise each other. They're always at odds. They don't like each other. One wants to kill the other. Right? And when you look at most lives or when you look at your own life and when you're really, really going through it and you're doing dumb stuff or you have dumb thoughts or you got some crazy stuff going on in your heart, you feel like this one is winning. Right? Sometimes this one is winning. So they, we know that the one thing they have in common is that they don't like each other. The second thing that they have in common is that they want you. They want me. And they'll spend their eternity trying to get me. Appreciate y'all, man. Next time I'll call you ahead of time, I'll give you a better shirt to wear. <laughs> now, I'm going to say this. Real, I don't want to go too far, but this is what I'm going to say. First of all, anybody that knows me knows I don't like OU. If there's any team that I don't like the most, it is OU. But wait, but wait, 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 wait. Don't clap yet because what I'm about to say is going to mess it all up. I got a cousin that plays for OU now, and he, play, he, he played yesterday. Hold on. He played yesterday, and I found myself, like, really going hard for OU, like, really, like, let's go, baby, let's go. Let's go. Baker Mayfield, what's wrong with him, though? He's got problems. He's going to be the death of y'all. But anyhow, no, I, I'm going to go for him this year. I am. I said it. I said it at the church. It's not a lie. I'm hog. I'm hog all day. But I got a family member over there, so I got to go. And if he gets hurt, I'm done. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, it says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. They are against each other. It's kind of like weeds. In my yard, I normally keep it A1. If I see a weed out there, I'll go and pluck that thing up. I'll walk it out to the street. I hadn't done that. I ain't been on top of it. So I got some starting to sprout up. I've lost sleep over it. It's been very stressful. Anybody knows that when weeds grow up in your yard, they start taking over a little bit of everything. I don't care if you got zoysia fairways in your yard. Let, uh, let some crabgrass get in there. You're going to have some real problems because crabgrass is crazy. It's constantly at odds with your good grass. So if they're constantly at odds with each other, we got to understand the plot. What is the plot? The spirit and the flesh want control of your soul. But in order to get control of your soul, they got to get control of your heart. Once they get control of your heart, they can get control of your mind. And when they get control of your mind, you're in trouble. But it has to start off in different, it has to start off in areas. So you have to understand the process. Like, I've never been addicted to drugs. That's just not, that wasn't my thing. I had my issues, but that wasn't one of them. So you're not going to walk up to me in the grocery aisle at Walmart and be like, hey, man, you want to try some heroin? And I step outside with you and we try heroin. It's, it's not going to work that way. Stay with me. You're going to have to do something a little bit more subtle. And then a little bit more subtle. And then a little bit more subtle. And over time, I'm going to have an issue. That's the same way that the flesh works. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 6, it says, those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things. And those that are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. It's a mind thing. The ultimate goal is to get your mind. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. That's what verse 6 says. That's Romans 8, 5 through 6. The last verse says, letting your sinful nature control your leads to death death, you will die. And, a po and the beautiful thing about this is because the Bible always gives like the worst of the worst and then it gives an open door, which is beautiful.
Paul admits going through the same thing. This is what the Apostle Paul says. And many of you, you've read this. Let's read it again. It's Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through 20. If you have a pen, write this stuff down and go home and study it. It says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm, is, what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sinful living in me that does it. Verse 18, it says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is, I, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Can anybody understand what Paul is saying? If you ain't raising your hand, you, you, you way worse than he is. Then in verse 20 says, but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It's the sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle in life that when I do what is right, inevitably, I do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind, the power that makes me a slave to sin. And at the end, he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from the life that is dominated by the sin of death? Now, this is the man that wrote the majority of the New Testament, king of the church, so to speak. He ain't king Jesus. But he kicked it off. This guy was very, very powerful, very, very powerful individual. And I thank God that he was willing to be that honest. And what he's saying sounds really, really scary. But Galatians chapter five, verse 18 gives us a whole lot of hope because he says he also says that if we are led by the spirit, we're not under the law. What does that mean? It's very simple. If I'm led by the spirit, I ain't got nothing to worry about. You're either going to be led by the spirit, you're going to be led by the flesh. Or like my brother says, you're either going to, in your time of issue, you're either going to turn to God or you're going to turn to Satan. You don't have an in-between. You will turn to one or the other. You cannot go wrong if you are led by the spirit. And today, what, really what I want to do, I want to spend some time talking about um, strengthening the spirit and starving the flesh because you can the hard part about it is that you have to do it over and over and over, and it gets exhausting. Now, let's be real. If we're all like Paul and we're honest, there is a fleshly war within us, but there is still hope. And I had to ask myself one thing when I went, started going into this message. I had to ask myself that if sin lives within me, a.k.a. the flesh, if it's that, if it's that which is living in me that's causing a problem, what do I do? What do I do? We dying daily, right? So the answer has to be kill it. If the flesh is what's killing me and what's taking me down through there, I got to kill it before it kills me. Just like them weeds in my yard. I better do something. It's going to kill every last piece of Bermuda that I got. We laugh, but that's a solid analogy. It's a solid analogy. And so if you're sitting in your seat and you're anything like me and you're like, kill it. So how do I kill it? Well, many of you in here are carriers, if you know what I mean. You are, you tote weapons. That's what you do. You're ready to shoot somebody. Half of y'all in here probably got a gun on you. Shouldn't, but you do. Look, 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 start clapping. And it ain't for hunting. Well, we're not talking about that kind of weapon. So I want to give you I want to give you about four or five different weapons that we can use to kill the flesh. How many of y'all hate your flesh? You hate it. Hate is a strong word, and I think it's the perfect word for that situation. Point number one is understand the battle. Understand the battle. If you don't clearly understand your battle, you can probably have that battle over and over and over. When I, was, um, when I was a youngster, many of you know, I was a troubled little boy. But one of the things that they did with me to kind of help me understand my battle, and I don't know if they did this with any other kid, but they did it with me. They made me a peer mediator. 
right? So, like, I got this peer mediation certificate. I thought it was so stupid because I didn't understand what it meant. But years later, I finally get it. What peer, medi- peer mediator was, what they would do is they would take, I was, like, in the fifth grade, and they would take me to, like, first and second graders that were fighting out on the playground. And they would throw me in the middle of them, and they would make me settle it. I don't mean, like, beat one of them up. I mean, like, settle it. Make them understand each other. Make them get on the same page. A troubled fifth grader, they put me in there. First couple times, I went back to teach. I was like, they're crazy. And y'all are crazy for making me be a part of that. And she kept sending me back, try it again, try it again, try it again. And what I figured out as a little boy was that I had to understand what the battle was in order to be able to help the two. I had to understand the battle. Most of the time, it was that neither one of them were listening to each other. Most of the time, neither one of them were listening to each other. Ephesians six twelve says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We have to understand that this, this, this battle that we're facing, you can't punch it. It's fleshly. It's spiritual. It's deeper than what you can see with your eyes. If you're not in tune with the spirit, you're going to keep having issues over and over and over. That's one of the main issues with addiction. You might think it's something you can see with your eyes. It ain't got nothing to do with your eyes at all. This should let us know that the battle is deeper than just waking up and starting our day. The fight for your soul is going on while you're asleep. The fight for your soul was going on when you was in your mother's womb. It's called soul ties. My mother had me with a guy that was a goofball, an intelligent goofball, but he was still a goofball. It attached soul ties to me inside my mother's womb. He cheated on her. He hit her. He yelled at her. He talked crazy to her. She allowed him to do it. Forced me into issues coming out of my mama's womb. I didn't have nothing to do with Many of us walk around with some real, like, that's just mine. Some of you are walking around with some real life generational curses. Like some for real generational curses. Some generational soul ties that you don't even recognize. Like, for instance, I wrote several down, but you're not just lazy just because. You ain't just lazy because. You're not stingy and selfish just because. You're not jumping from man to man to man to man to man just because. You got some real issues going on. So you don't recognize your battle. We're not prideful just because. We don't have OCD just because. There's some things that went on with you from when you were young, and we still hadn't attacked it yet. We went through and we sprayed some Roundup. Roundup ain't going to kill the root. It's not going to kill the root. Many of us were raised in households that trained us to be the same way that we are today. You're 60 years old, and you're still the way that you were trained to be. The first time you ask an older person, why you used to do that? Well, because when I was growing up, we didn't have no lights. We didn't even have a sun. We didn't even have a moon. So that's why I don't get on the internet. What? You're just trained to be just like you don't have to continue to be weird. Jeez. God gave you the internet. Like it wasn't like the devil was like, we're going to give him the internet. They say don't use the internet, but they'll Google a scripture real quick. Like get out of here. But again, these things have to be killed at the root. But in order to do that, we have to go back to where the attack was first launched on you, which is the heart. And once the heart is changed, then the mind will follow. And so we're going to spend some time trying to do that today. One of the reasons the church is having such a revolving door is because many try to give their minds to God, not their hearts. Yeah. We try to give our minds to God. And then you just like, we don't see you for like two years. Then you walk back in. You're ready to start all over. We don't see you for two months. 
you walk back in, you're ready to start all over. And I'm not against any of those things because I, I got, I think it's beautiful when a person's willing to get back up and go back at it. But how about we minimize the trips? We can minimize the trips if you let the Lord penetrate your heart and really, like, really, like, get in there and do surgery. Give you a heart transplant, right? The beautiful thing about a spiritual heart transplant is that you don't have to get on a waiting list. It can happen today. You can have a heart transplant today. Number two, second weapon is renewing your mind daily. Renew your mind daily. Ephesians 4, through 23 says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Lust is not always sexual. I'll break that down in a second. It says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Now, what I mean by lust is not always sexual. Do you realize as a parent you can lust after your kids? Let me break it down for you. If you fail to discipline your child because you don't want to see them upset at you, that is lust on your behalf because ultimately you're lusting after their happiness because their happiness is what makes you happy. Lust all goes back to you. You got friends that are just goofballs, but you don't want to stand on that because you don't want to hurt them because hurting them will ultimately hurt you. It's lust at the heart of it all. That's what it is. It's lust. So it's renewing my mind to understand the concept. What is the concept? Why do I keep doing this? Why, I, why am I this way? Why, why, why? Maybe at the heart of it, I don't even know who I am in the first place. Because if I knew who I was, I would be able to fight properly because I'd have all the tools that I would need. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 6 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So let your sinful nature control your minds. And it will lead to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to a life of peace. How many of you know that peace can't be bought at Walmart? You can't buy it. It's the ultimate quest for me. I had a friend message me yesterday. I ain't seen her in like maybe 17 years. And she's like, I need you to pray for me. And she's a real strong lady. She said, I need you to pray for me because uh, like right now, like I'm losing my mind. And I'm like, what do you mean you're losing your mind? And she's like, like for real. Like I've been in the church forever. And I'm like losing it. Like I'm, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I was like, well, break it down to me. What do you mean? And she's like, I don't, I don't understand my purpose. I don't understand. I'm at church. I'm going through the motions. The messages are just going in one ear and out the other. It's just the routine. It's killing me. What do you do? And I said, well, for me personally, um, I can't say that I'm going exactly through what you're going through right now, but I can say that when I am at that dead spot in my life, I have to have a spiritual detox. And she's like, what's a spiritual detox? <laughs> and I was like, like, for real, like a spiritual detox. Like, I'll leave everybody. You can't get a hold of me. Like, for real. Like, I will withdraw from everybody and everything. You will not be able to catch me. It's just me and God. I'm trusting that he'll take care of my wife and my three kids. How many times did Jesus withdraw from the people when the crowds got so large? He walked into the garden. He left nine at the gate. He walked in a little bit further. He left two and he went a little bit further and he prayed. When he was under the most extreme amount of stress that he was ever in in his life, he withdrew from everybody. That's what has to happen. It has to. Another thing that I do on a daily basis, um, a friend of mine gave me this a while back. Um, he owns a really, really large company, and when storms come through, like, it's the most stressful time of his life. Like, it's really, really bad for him. And I was like, so what do you do? 
And he was like, man, what I do is I get up every morning and I turn the shower on. And when I get in the shower, I go inside the shower. And when I go in the shower, I, I stay in there until I leave everything in there. And when I turn that water and I come off, I go into my day. I was like, dang, that ain't bad right there. I might try that. I was like, so, so I'm getting all in his business now. I'm like, so what do you do when you're in there? I need to know. Well, what is the process? What goes down the drain? Is it just dirt? You clean yourself? What do you do? And he was like, man, all of my worries, all of my shame, all of my regret, all of my sorrows, everything, I, I cleanse in there. I do. Like I give it all to God right there, and I make a covenant with him before I turn that water off that I ain't going to take that into my day. I was like, dang, man, that's pretty good. I do that to this day. It's been years. I still do that to this day. One of the reasons is when you're in the bathroom, you lock that door, you can't be bothered. It's just you. And sometimes we don't find the time to get away from folks to be able to have that time because our days are so busy. So you have to have it. Point number three, eliminate whatever is necessary. Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 through 30. Man, I love this. It's very violent, but I love it. So, if your eye, even your good eye, hold on. <laughs> it says, if, so if your eye, even your good eye, <laughs> he's trying to make sure he's covering everybody on that one right there. Even your good eye. I'm sorry, hold on. That's like, if he goes to say that, that's like if he goes to say that, and he's like, man, I only got one eye. He's like, I'm covering you too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if Jesus starts to talk, he's like, man, I know you got one eye. That one too. Jesus is a trip, man. Jesus, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. Now, let me caution you just for a second. There was a singer that was a one-hit wonder in the 90s named Houston. You remember him, Matt? Do you, you don't remember who he was? Anyhow, you didn't hear from him that long because he did. His dad was a preacher. He gouged his own, own eye out in his dresser room because he felt like he was in so much sin and that demons were surrounding him, he referred back to this scripture that his dad taught him as a kid. Gouged his own eye out. Look it up. I'm not lying. A singer named Houston back in the 90s. He took this literal. I don't want to see nobody coming back next Sunday with an eye patch. That's not what we're doing here, so I want to make sure we're clear. So even if your eye, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one body part than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Let's keep going. If your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one body part than your whole body to go into hell. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes to get somebody to understand a simple principle, you go to the extreme to help them understand the seriousness and the severity of what you're trying to say. My mama used to always tell me she was going to knock my head off. Now, mama, you can't knock my head off. Not off. But I got it. See what I'm saying? I understand. You're not going to knock it off. But I understand where you're going. Jesus says, you had heard it said not to commit adultery, but I say, don't even look at a woman with lust. So he went to the extreme. He did that here. If that's what's causing you the issue, cut it off. Number four, die daily. Die daily. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 28 through 31 and when, and when everything is subject to Christ, 
then the son himself will also be subject to the one subjected everything to him so that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what they will do who are being baptized for the dead, if they are dead or not raised at all, then why are people baptized for them? So in other words, if there's no such thing as resurrection, what does this all mean? What am I being baptized for if there was never any resurrection? It goes on in 30, it says, why are we in danger every hour? I affirm by the bride, I, I, I affirm by the pride in you that I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. I love what he's saying right here because he's saying, I'm in danger all the time. I ain't worried about none of that. I die all the time. I die every single day. Death. I died earlier this morning. I died before I walked out of my house. Ain't nothing you could do to me. I already died. The question is, how often do you die? Do you die when hard times come up in your life, when you have financial situations? I used to. As long as things were going great, I wasn't doing nothing to the flesh. Flesh can live. I must be doing something good. Everything's great. How many of you know that just because you're doing something good don't mean something good's coming that day? You think that's a joke? You better go read Job. We're getting ready to start on the next Sunday in Sunday school. Job was doing everything right. Didn't mean anything. I think it was because of the fact that he was willing to die daily, he was able to survive what happened to him. I'm going to jump on to one more point, and it is a very, very solid point. I think it's the most solid point there is in the church. I don't think there is a church that is thriving or a church that exists in, the, in this planet that can bypass this one. Remember the cross. Remember the cross. If you ever get to a place in your life to where the cross is just a cliche thing for you, or him dying for you is just a cliche, or is just a figure of speech, we got some problems. We got some real problems. Every time we get to a place to where we begin talking about the cross, it should make you cringe in your seat. It should, it should really, um, it should affect you. It should really affect you. Um, I got a lot of friends, and I'm not the only one. Many of you got a lot of friends. Your friends are still doing what they were doing. Nothing about them has changed. They've had the same opportunities as you have, but they never accepted the cross. So there is no cross to remember for them. They still don't even recognize the cross. For real. Like that is, that is, um, that's horrible, man. How do you feel when you see a friend or you see a family member and you know that it's eternal damnation if they don't change? Like is it, for you is it like, well, stay life, they got to live it. Or are you, is that a burden that you feel, that you feel like is on your shoulders? Or is it a burden? It, it, do you carry that with you? Does that break your heart? Are you tired of praying for them? Or are you, where are you? It's a rhetorical question, I guess, in a roundabout way. Or a question you can just ask yourself. But I saw a buddy of mine that I knew since kindergarten. I saw him at, a, at the mall. And Lee, Lee was with me. And Lee was like, who is that? And I was like, oh, that's one of my childhood friends. He's been my friend since... I was your age. He's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Why don't you talk to him anymore? And I'm like, well, he got different things going on. But the last time I saw him, I said, man, how you doing? And he said, I'm trying not to kill somebody today. And my heart breaks for him. When I saw him, I wasn't happy to see him as much as I was hurt to see him. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you one of the same people I used to take to church with me, man. You, you like for real messed up. Like, you're in bad shape, man. He don't know nothing about the cross. It's the cross, man. The cross, the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross. That cross changed everything for us. You got the flesh 
and the spirit, the cross made it to where you can lean and rely on the spirit only. You don't have to die by the flesh. It's the cross. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I'm like Jesus. So. So you knew that I would struggle with my flesh in 2017 and you knew that sometimes I would choose my flesh over you. And you still died. Like, I don't get that. And for many years of my life, I didn't accept that. You understand? I wouldn't accept the cross because it just doesn't make sense. You got folks that won't even serve in the nursery. Something simple. You die for them, too. You understand? You got folks that won't even be a father to their children. You die for them too. You die for everybody. And I don't, I don't always feel like I'm worthy of that. There ain't no telling what I'll do two days from now. But you gave me grace. What? That don't even make sense. Mark chapter 8 verse 34 says, summoning the crowd... Along with, the, with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to be my follower, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The key ingredient in here, surviving this Christianity, surviving this walk, is denial of self. You can no longer exist. If you had a stupid attitude last week, that was your flesh. But a loving spirit this week? cancels out all of that so it don't matter what was going on before it's today it's right now you fall off the horse you get right back up on the horse and you operate in this thing called love love is the general theme behind why we're even in this building it's love it's black folks in here white indian and my homies sometimes i wish i was indian sometimes they get to do all kinds of cool stuff like this weekend Started to go, didn't think I was welcome. But when you're sitting in a church like this, love is what has everybody in here like this. It's love. Love is why South Point is the way that it is. I was riding down the street the other day. I know it's going to sound so weird, but just stay with me. I was riding down the street the other day, and I was thinking about what, what people used to say about me negatively it used to like really weigh on me. And I used to try my best to go to them and fix it and try to make their, their way of looking at me different. And now I'm at a place in my life where I really don't care. Like, <laughs> like I don't care. Like it don't make a difference to me because those that matter don't mind and those that mind don't matter, right? We know that. But I started saying to myself, I got enough people that I know love me and know me. I got enough. And it made me start thinking about Miss Deanna. Like I know without a shadow of a doubt, that Miss Deanna loves me. Without a sh I can call her at any time and she will be there for me. For someone that lost both grandmothers and both grandparents, y'all don't know how much that means to me. I didn't meet Miss Deanna out in the street. I met her at South Point Church. You understand? Same thing with Brother Jim, same thing with Brother Gene. I can go all through this room and I know that I experience love on a regular. I've been in a lot of churches. I ain't never been in a church that loves folks like this. I remember when Christian Kimberling wrecked his car going up to his house in Kyoto. And so I like, I didn't know what was wrong with him. I didn't know if he was dying. I didn't know nothing. Last time we got a call like that, it was Carissa. So I'm going to the hospital. I get to the hospital. Our church is at the hospital. It's love. Love changes everything. Dying daily is the denial of self. It's no longer fighting for position. It's humbling ourselves to see the full use of, of us in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's humbling yourself. No more me, all him. 
And whenever a little bit of me creeps up, I stab him in the chest with a knife. Sounds real violent, but that's how it has to go down. And guess what? The next day, flesh is going to wake up again. You got to kill it again. It'll wake up at noon around lunchtime. You're like, man, I thought I killed you. You didn't kill me that good. I got to stab you again. Boom. He's out of there. It works like that. Because I can be real mean. I can be real devious. I can be real mischievous. I can be real, real wicked. I can. And I see it in Lee. Most of y'all are like, oh, Lee's just so sweet. I want to take him to the house. I just love him so much. Give him, tell him to come here. Tell Lee to come here. Look here, let me tell you what I know. I'm going to tell you what I know and not what I heard. My child, I can see the generational deal in him because Lee can be your best friend or he can be your worst nightmare. Like on another level. And I'm there constantly saying, Lee, there's a difference between the flesh and the spirit, especially when you're playing the PlayStation and you want to break that TV with the remote control because Michael Jordan dunked on you. Shouldn't have played against Mike. That's your fault. Should have told you he was the goat. Now, remember this. Paul, the apostle Paul, he was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was said to have been crucified. Matthias was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was a martyr. James was beat to death. Simon the Zealot was killed for for not worshiping the sun god, maybe Amun-Ra. And Matthias was buried alive. Wow. How many of you guys know that the only reason that they were willing to suffer those types of deaths was because they had already suffered their death? To live as Christ is to die as gain. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Die on a daily basis. Die to self. Let Christ live in you. If he lives in you, he'll come out of you and he'll bless others. And last but not least, I put about those same guys that they they would have never been willing to give their fleshly lives without first killing their sinful nature. Um, So here's the thing. I really wanted to talk to you guys about that today because... um, your flesh can show up in different, in different forms. And in the church, it just so happens to be, um, I believe we got a real strong spirit. I'm not talking about just South Point. I'm talking about universal. I think we got a strong spirit of uh, laziness, and we got a strong spirit of apathy. Laziness and apathy. You're literally waiting for the pastor to take you to lunch and beg you to do something. That is insane. Find me one scripture where Jesus went and begged anybody to do anything. Because I can show you several where he laid out the ultimatum and let them decide what they were going to do. And if they decided to leave, he's like, all right, cool, we're going to Judea. Everybody in this room, everybody in this room, you have a responsibility to the church. The minute that the cross, the minute that what happened on that cross changed your life, your outward expression is to serve. You serve because you love. You serve because you were served already. Right? The question is, what what are you willing to do? Well, there's nothing you can do until you die to self. You'll get burnt out. It's the key word you hear in churches. Man, I just got burnt out. Maybe you got burnt out because something else was going on that didn't have anything to do with the church. If you ever get the chance, Google where Paul went. Google his travels. That brother didn't get burnt out. He understood. He understood. He didn't have a mental issue. Just kept going. Just keep going. You just keep going, and you just keep going. And then you have your detox, a little spiritual detox. Get yourself together. Get back on it again. Have a little spiritual detox. Get back on it again. Die daily. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to pray.
Um, I wanna if Mark is Mark Draper in here, my buddy, my good buddy. Come on up, Mark. Um, what I wanna do is I wanna spend a little bit of time at the altar. I grew up in a black church, so we ain't really pay attention to no clocks. I don't think I've ever been in a black church that had a clock. <laughs> but here they cringe. What boy? It's about 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 twelve ten. We gotta shut the we gotta shut the Holy Spirit down right now. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But until we're done, we ain't leaving. What I want to do is I do want to give you a, an opportunity that if you are in this room right now, you just heard the gospel message. You just heard the message. And um, you know that if you left out of this room right now and something were to happen to you where you are no longer breathing and you are in front of the Lord, you're in front of the Lord one day, and you really don't know what your ending will be. I'm talking to you right now. If you don't know what your end result will be, that's an eternity without God or it's an eternity with God. Them's two different things. I want to let you know that, one, you don't have to be ashamed to admit that in front of your brothers and sisters because this is a great safety net to fall in and these people will love you to the cross. But what I want to do is if you are in this room and you don't know what your, your eternity may be, I want to ask you right now, I don't care if this is different than what we normally do, let the spirit take over. If you are in this room right now and you don't know without a shadow of a doubt, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up. Thank you. You ain't got to be ashamed of nothing. You hear me? You don't have to be ashamed of nothing. Because guess what? Your heart transplant is getting ready to happen today. Now listen. I wish we had more leaders in the churches that would be honest about this. But now we got to save face. The people that are standing up right now, they don't care nothing about saving face. They care about saving grace. And so what I want you to do is if you have somebody standing beside you, Brother Gene, you got one right there. Brother Jim, you got one right there. Mac, one right there. Joseph and Pastor David, if y'all would, here's one right here. And I'm going to tell you something right now. This one right here, their parents know Jesus, and that's a great safety net. Lives have to be changed. They have to be changed, but they can't be changed until the heart changes. I need you to understand that. If you were in this room and you're sitting down right now and this message was for you and you didn't stand up, that doesn't mean nothing, nothing can happen for you. That's not what that means. I just want the church to know who's crying out. So what I want to do before we go any further, I want to pray. Can we pray? All right, those of you that are standing, please repeat after me. But before you repeat this, what I want you to do is I want you to assess your life first. And make sure that this is what you want to do. Because the Bible tells us, Luke, Luke 6, 29, I believe it is, that says, any man that puts his hands to the plow and then turns away is not fit for the kingdom. So once you put your hands on this, we don't take our hands off of it. It's on after this. We move forward, we stay at the cross, and we keep fighting. There don't have to be an annual renewal. You believe in your heart that God is going to change you today. That's what's going to happen. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I want you to know that I'm ready. I ask you into my heart right now because I believe you died for me. I also believe that because of your death and resurrection, I can be saved.
right now I thank you for saving me and renewing me. I pray for your spirit to come inside of me and take over. I thank you for this. In, G in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Now, here's what I do want to say. Here's what I want to say. That that is the first step. The next step is very, very, very simple, but it is drawn out. It's drawn out. It is drawn out forever. What you do is you get plugged into the church. You get plugged in and you don't ever unplug. Because what happens is when you're not connected to a local body, you're like a brick being kicked down the street screaming, I'm a house. You ain't no house. You're separate from the house. There's no cherry picking going involved. When you know the spirit is there, you get there and you get connected. After you get connected, you get yourself in there and you serve. You serve until you die. You serve until you die. It's what we do. When Jesus did what he did for me and he changed my life in Tulsa, Oklahoma, years and years ago, I made up my mind that day that he can use me to do whatever he wants me to do. I got a wife right now. She's sick as a dog. Sick. Sick, sick, sick. That don't change my views of Jesus or how much, how much harder I'm going to go for Jesus. just don't work that way. Circumstances don't change the way that I get down. I, I got to keep moving. And she wouldn't have it no other way. My kids see that and they keep moving. You don't see me complaining about the local body, not the church. You don't see me complaining with my kids around. That's stupid. I love the church. Not only that, this is God's bride. You better not talk bad about his bride. Are you goofy? And so I want to I do one more thing real quick. Um, like, again, I don't know where we are on time, but I do want to give people to have a time to come up here to the altar and be able to cry out before the Lord. I don't think we have that enough. So if you're here this morning and you want to come down to the altar with me um, and Mark, you want to come down here with us and cry out before the Lord, you can. If you want to stay in your seat and worship, that's cool too. But the altar, great things happen up here. So if you would, you can come on down now.